listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate. Hey everyone, Chris Lopez here, and today we're going to be talking about the October 2020 Denver real estate market trends. So I've got lots of data I want to share with you today, and we're going to focus on some high-level key points here in the podcast, but check the show notes, actually go view uh, all the details, all the bullet points, all the graphs if you want more numbers on there. Otherwise, I'll be talking about what I think are the most important ones that really show the trends right now. And as usual, I'll be mostly comparing October 2020 to October 2019 to give you more context since we do have seasonality here in Denver, but with COVID, that's also changed a little bit as well. All right, so getting on to it, uh, let's talk about inventory. So I'm going to scroll down to this data snapshot. And again, this is data that uh, the Denver Metro Association of Realtors publishes every single month. So active inventory is down 43% from last year. So last October at 8,500, this October about 4,800 in active inventory. So way lower. Again, last year we started seeing a little bit of an increased inventory because that was higher than had been the few previous years last October. And of course, this October we've got COVID, the presidential election, so, you know, a couple new variables in there as well. So keep that in mind. We have about 4800 active listings and this is for single family, so houses, condos, townhomes. New listings in October 20 were 6250. So we actually had more properties listed than we do inventory right now. So those new listings are up about 15% over a year ago, but a little bit less than the previous month. So there's some interesting thought process to hear. So seeing lower number of listings in October compared to September is normal Denver seasonality trends. But having this amount is, you know, more than we expected. Maybe that's because interest rates are low and people are selling and trading up. Maybe people are seeing the headlines of all the price appreciation. Uh, maybe COVID just pushed everything out a few months. We don't really know other than there was a pleasant surge of inventory there. Now, listen to this. Under contracts, and if you look at this, the charts, I'll say pending, that's new terminology, but under contracts, what we call it, there are 6,140 single-family homes under contract. The active inventory right now is 4,800 on the market. So we have about 1,300 more properties under contract than we do currently active lists in the market. So, you know, if you're selling, that's a good thing. But if you're buying, that's a tough thing. And from like a good, healthy market standpoint, you know, that is not sustainable. And again, the second we started seeing some more inventory come on market, this nice uh, spike of listings, the market gobbled it up. So we saw them come up, the market saw it, they took it, they gobbled it up. So, you know, this is going to keep inventory low, obviously, but as new inventory comes out or new listings come out, we can expect to see the market continue to gobble it up. All right, so something else I want to talk about is the price here. So we've talked about this, but now if you look at the average price from a year ago, we were at 483 last October. Now the average price is 562. 
We're talking about $80,000 higher on average than it was a year ago. That's a 16% increase. Now, does that mean your Aurora condo or your rental on the west side or your primary residence went up 16%? Most likely not. But here's the other thing. The median price went up almost 13%. So we're seeing some huge, um, you know, huge gains on both of those metrics. But it's more of what type of properties are being sold that's changing the averages. So basically, we're selling a lot more expensive homes. So for example, the number of homes and condos sold for over $1 million so far this year is up 116% from last year. So the number of homes between 305,000 sold is down 3%. So a lot of the stuff that we're buying for rentals and house acts, you know, that's actually down slightly where the expensive homes, the million dollar plus homes, which we still have not bought a house hack or a rental property on is up 116%. So if we start selling way more expensive homes, go back to your, you know, I don't know that's that fifth grade or eighth grade or, you know, sometime math that we took when we were younger, go back to that math and do it. It's just going to really raise the average up. So, you know, you see these headlines, you hear the snippets on the radio or the newspaper headlines, understand, yeah, prices are increasing, but that's more just because we're selling a ton of million dollar plus homes right now, which really doesn't impact what, you know, us as average investors are buying. So something that Lon Welsh at your castle pointed out is saying, you know, obviously this is not sustainable, but he said, don't be surprised if that for silver months in 2021, you actually see a decline or a negative price uh, or a negative average price on some of these as, you know, hey, if all these million dollar homes, they, you know, they've kind of, people stop buying those or they cool off or go back to normal times. And then more people start buying these less expensive homes, it's going to change the average again. So be on the lookout for that sometime in 2021. So days on market um, has continued to go down from last year. Last year, we're about 34 days on market. I'm sorry, last October, this October, at 24 days on market. We're down 29% from last October. So this is close to about the lowest on record. So again, it goes in the same story of just having record low inventory and that buyers are just out there gobbling up the inventory. All right, last main thing I want to talk about to you on the data snapshot here for the MLS is the close price to list price ratio. And this is where, you know, a lot of times we can figure out, hey, are we getting a, a discount on the property or are people paying a premium on the property? So what this means is, let's say someone lists a house for $100. If I buy it for $99, I got a $1 discount. Lauren buys it for $101, she pays a $1 premium on there. So you're going to hear hear me give some percentages right here. So last October, we were at 98.9%. So just a very small discount, and this is what we've been seeing for a long time in the market. In October of this year, October 2020, we are at 100.17%. So, you know, that means, hey, people are paying 17 cents more on average for every uh, dollar on the list price. Well, maybe not 17 cents. 100.17%. I think it's 17 cents. Um, anyway, my point there is, uh, you know, houses are still selling right around the list price and there's bidding wars. As a lot of you listeners out there know, and our, you know, the clients out there buying properties, you know the market's extremely competitive right now. So does that mean every house is so selling for more than, than it's listed for? 
absolutely not. We've got some under contract right now that were, you know, some one was just misinputted in the MLS. Shame on that listing agent. Good for us and our client. Uh, other times, if people are still overpricing their property, if they're still getting greedy on it, they're still going to have a hard time, you know, getting the traffic and selling it. So we've picked up a few of those properties. But overall, it is very, very competitive out there. And this just, you know, aligns with what we're seeing. There's very few properties to pick from. Interest rates are super low. And so that's going to cause more people to go out there and bid on properties. And a lot of times go over lists with, you know, just over ask or uh, appraisal gaps or other things to go out there and make their offer more attractive. So that's uh, the main content on there. Actually, no, never mind. Look at my notes. There's one more thing I want to talk about on here. So going back to the inventory and under contract, I'm actually going to go down into the two subcategories of the numbers I gave you. So one is just detached homes. So these are homes that don't share common walls with other properties. So the active listings at the end of October were about 2,650 detached homes. New listings for detached homes were 4,200 and change. And we have 4,300 and change of detached homes under contract right now. So that is a lot more under contract and a lot more new listings than that new inventory. Again, new inventory came to the market and the market simply gobbled it up. Now going to the attached properties. So this is the other part of the numbers that are condos and townhomes, not multifamilies, just single family residents, just condos and townhomes. The new listings were about 2,200 in October. I'm sorry, about 2,000 in October. The active inventory for October at the end of the month was about 2,200. And we have 1,800 under contract. So there's, what, 300 or 400 more active than we have in our contract currently. But there's just, again, very limited supply on there. So I'm going to leave on that note for this data portion of the market update, because I think the if the publishing uh, timeline goes right, the, the timeline after this is going to, or the podcast after this is going to be one with Joe Massey. He's got some really interesting foreclosure data that talks about, um, or you know, the, the forbearance data, I'm sorry, he's got some very interesting forbearance data, which would be a good indicator for what type of foreclosures we can expect or not to expect to see. So... Be sure to listen to that and then keep these numbers in mind as well, because he'll be talking about some some probabilities for, hey, this amount of inventory is what we might expect to see come on the market sometime in the near future. And if you can't find that podcast, shoot me an email, because um, I know I, I sometimes tend to mention things and then the content calendar doesn't always line up with that. All right. So let's go look at, oh, you know, one more thing on here too for this data trends. I forgot. Since we're doing a podcast and you guys can't see the charts I'm looking at, but if you've come to, you know, any of my classes or webinars or a lot of the, you know, classes from, you know, Lon Welsh on the data, you've seen that graph where it shows active inventory and the number of properties sold. We, I like that graph a lot. It's probably one of my favorite graphs I see out here in the real estate market. And so, you know, normally, pretty much in all times, we always see more inventory than we see properties closed. Now, there's been a few times in the last, you know, five, six years when we've been in this, you know, uh, hot market where they've been about the same every month. Maybe sometimes under contracts have been slightly above. But overall, the, the active inventory has always been greater or, you know, higher than the closed. And sometimes those two lines overlap. So... 
But now, since starting around, I don't know, July or August, I think, I'd have to go back and look at the exact data, you actually see the under contracts, or I'm sorry, the properties closed just spike up. And then you see the properties at the end or available at the market at the end of the month just go down. And so for the last couple of months, we've actually sold more properties than there have been inventory on the market. Obviously, you can't do that for too long because eventually you get to zero, which I don't think is, a, is even possible in the real estate market. But it's really interesting data and just goes to show out there the type of demand we're seeing. Because normally we see a lot of times the, you know, the closes start to dwindle off here as we go into uh, the fall and winter. And it's just been an almost vertical line here. And again, we got you know, seasonality definitely impacts this, both COVID seasonality is, I think, you know, not nearly as important factor as it was in previous years, but it's a very interesting graph to look at it and really sums up that, wow, there's just so little inventory and that for every house selling, there's one, two, 10 people looking at a house, maybe want to put an offer in there. So that's one of my ways of saying, I don't expect to see uh, any prices dropping here anytime soon. All right, looking at showing trends. So this is data that YourCastle collects as to how many people go out there and look at a house or look at a house or a condo using it through the app that we use to schedule, which is Showing Times, which is the app that I think pretty much everyone uses here in Denver to schedule showing uh, you know the buyers and their clients to go through and actually walk the properties. So normally around this time of the year, in the last couple of years, we've been about eight showings per property, and now we're about 11 showings per property in October. And the showings per property has actually been above the norm since, really since about June in any significant amount. And normally we start seeing things trail off here, but July was at, I know, probably like 10.5, August was at 11, September was 11, October, that might be like 11.5. So we're actually starting to see like increase some. Now, I haven't had a chance to dive into this data, but my guess is because it's a combination of you know low interest rates bringing people out here, but also since there's fewer properties for people to go walk, there's more people walking the same properties as well. But anyway, we're seeing incredibly strong showing demand right now with uh, with everything going on, and this is you know. Uh, right before the election, during COVID, so some very interesting times that we're in. All right, a little bit of data here from the Apartment Association of Metro Denver. This is your quarter three 2020 report. And so again, this is really for those big apartment buildings, you know, 100 unit plus buildings. I don't know quite the size they have, but they are for the the big buildings, usually the big investors. So I'm going to read a couple bullet points off of here. The amount of non-payment of rent remain low with the majority of respondents saying the results show less than 5% of tenants not paying. Metro Denver apartment market showed an overall quarterly decrease in vacancy from 5.1 to 4.9%, with a year-over-year increase of 0.2%, or two-tenths of a point. So vacancy decreased for the majority of counties reported. So we are seeing, you know, vacancies go down. We're still seeing a lot of tenants still paying, which is just good for everyone that people are still able to, you know, still pay their rents. Uh, 
So a couple of other points here that's really interesting. Only 2,100 new rental units finished construction, and this was in quarter three. 2,100 new rental units were finished in quarter three and were added to the market. The market filled 2,900. So they filled every single unit that was delivered, plus about 800 units or so that were vacant. So we saw more units being absorbed. The average rent also went up a little bit from about 1506 to 1522. Now, a note on here, as I said earlier, you know, this does a great job of capturing the big apartment buildings, but it doesn't do a great job of capturing, you know, what the small mom and pop investors are experiencing, people like you and me. That's why since COVID started, I've been doing those property management updates. And the one for October will be coming out either the next episode or the one after, probably the one after on Joe's foreclosure data. I'm sorry, forbearance data. I think that's what will be coming on next. So the next two episodes, you're going to more data for the forbearance and foreclosures and also for what our property managers, who for the most part all manage, you know, us mom and pop landlords, their units, what they are seeing. And so far, from what I can recall talking to all of them, you know, they've been below that 5%, well below that 5% tenants not paying. Now, they've had a lot more tenants on payment plans, um, but not nearly as bad as we thought, at least so far. So make sure you check out that. All right, last thing here. This was an interesting graph that Lon sent out from the Wall Street Journal. It says, Colorado is among the states with the lowest exposure to increased evictions. So if you want to actually look at a map right now of the United States that has nothing to do with the Electoral College or coronavirus, click the show notes because I actually spent some time looking at this map because it was a map that was not one of those two topics. Um, But basically what they do here is they categorize the states as to, you know, who's who's going to be exposed to the most evictions. So they got ranked here between 4.6 to 10%. 10% to 15%, 15% to 20%, uh, 26%, and then 26% or greater. So Colorado is in that lowest metric of 4.6 to 10%. Other states that are, and this is the interesting thing to me because it's not just, um, you got different states with different types of laws. So other states with low eviction data, California, Nevada, Idaho, Washington, Nebraska, Tennessee, Alabama, South Carolina, Pennsylvania, and maybe some of these other like New England states I can't see. And hopefully I got I named those states correctly too. So, you know, obviously some of those states are very landlord friendly and some are not landlord friendly. So it's interesting to see that both types of states are experiencing that. And then going up to that higher one, that 26 to 36% uh, ban, North Dakota, New York, uh, Indiana, North Carolina, uh, a couple other states, I'm embarrassed to say I cannot look at them and remember what they are on the map right now. Um, anyway, so like I said, go check this map out. It's very interesting, and I'm doing a horrible job of communicating it as far as the other states. Just keep in mind that according to the Wall Street Journal and the analysis by Moody's Analytics, they expect Colorado to have a very um, low eviction rate and be among the lowest in the country, which is great news for us landlords and also obviously great news for tenants and renters out there as well. All right, so if you guys have any questions or comments on here, 
please reach out to me. I've got some plans to actually do a lot more uh, analysis and talk about data as well. So be on the lookout for that. And if you guys need to see the numbers themselves, click on the show notes. It's all posted on there. All right. I'll see you next podcast. Thank you.